you do in our lives we thank you for how you have saved our lives we thank you for reaching down into our mess and rescuing us out of it god i pray that you would just continue to transform our lives as we live a life devoted to you we thank you that you are god and you are good and in jesus name we pray amen amen Well, it's good to see you again this morning. We started a sermon series last week uh, entitled, Where Are You Sitting? And um, we kind of gave some illustration that that really can help drive home kind of where you are in your spiritual walk. And uh, just kind of as a recap, just kind of reminding ourselves uh, where we are. We, we know that this is, we call this first chair, second chair, third chair. This is the chair of a life that is committed to the Lord. And uh, this life that is committed to the Lord is in relationship with the Lord. And, and, and such meaning comes out of that relationship. We're looking, uh, we, were, we were talking about Julia last week. Julia is a single mother of two. And uh, life has had its ups and downs. But uh, when her husband left her with the two kids, it did not disturb her faith because Jesus Christ is a solid rock of her life. And even though circumstances changed, that did not. And so this is the life of one who is committed to the Lord. This is Ernie, and Ernie is a, a father of three teenage girls and uh, married and works at a Christian radio station. And Ernie's life is, uh, uh, the, the relationship he has with the Lord is not so intimate. Maybe it's more of a, it's a, it's a what he's supposed to do. It's what he's supposed to do. He he does the Christian thing because of a sense of duty uh, to the Lord, not as much as delight, but this is what I'm supposed to do. He, he could probably beat you in a Bible trivia quiz. After all, he works for a Christian radio station. Uh, but his relationship with the Lord is estranged because he's not sure he could completely trust God to bring fulfillment into his life. And so this is a man who is compromised. He's compromised because with one hand, he wants the Lord as his Savior. But uh, on the other hand, he wants all the joys that this world can give him. And so Ernie is one who's compromised. Let's just actually leave these that way for a little bit. This is Kate. Kate is not a Christian at all. Kate, uh, she lives a life um, influenced by society. She's single. Uh, She's beginning her career. And when it seems convenient, she'll marry. But right now, that would just hinder her, uh, her career uh, getting kicked off. And so Kate is one who, she's heard about God, and she heard from her grandmother stories about uh, the Lord, but that's all just religion to her. She is one who is in conflict with God. The Bible says that we, when, we are, when we are separated from God, we become at enmity with him. That means we are in conflict with him. And so, so we have Julia, Ernie, and Kate. And uh, here's the truth of the matter is every one of us in this room is sitting in one of these three chairs. We're sitting in one of these three chairs. 
This is a person that does not know the Lord. This person knows the Lord. This, knows, this person knows the Lord intimately. And so let's kind of look at some more characteristics of the three. This one is, is uh, the characteristic of commitment, compromise, and conflict. This one is shaped by scriptures. This one is shaped by others. And this one is shaped by society. This one lives by convictions. This one lives by beliefs. This one lives by opinions. This one sees her work as God's calling. This one sees his work as a job blessed by God. And this one sees her work as a proving ground to help improve her. Julia is, is one who lives out of a close friendship or relationship or fellowship with the Lord. Ernie, God is an acquaintance, and Kate is simply aware. This one lives out of relationship. This one lives out of responsibility, and to this one, all that's nothing but religion. In this seat, God is first, and she is second. In this seat, God is actually second, and his desires come first. In this seat, God's out there somewhere, but it's always her first. And so as we kind of now set the, the, the table again for what we're going to bounce off of now, I want to tell you a story with two other guys, two other names, and they are Johnny and David. Now, these characters that we've seen here, that's, that's, that's fictitious. But Johnny and David are not fictitious. These are two individuals who uh, really are alive today. And Johnny calls up David and says, let's go fishing. So they meet at the airport, get on Johnny's private airplane, and they fly down to the coast where they get on Johnny's boat, and they go out offshore, and they catch some amazing fish. By the way, I said this in the first service. I'll say it in this one too. If you ever feel called by God to do that and you want a pastor to go along with you, I'm feeling called to join you. <laughs> and so Johnny is well off, man. He is, he, is a, he is a guy who's got his stuff together. Businesses just thrive under his leadership. Uh, he knows how to make deals and, and he's just, uh, he's everyone's envy. They're out there on the fishing boat and, and uh, just reeling in one catch after another till his ar- their arms are tired. And David asked Johnny, said, Johnny, have you got enough money? Remember, Johnny's airplane, Johnny's boat. He wasn't offended by the question. He said, I, I really don't know how to respond to that. How do you know when enough, when you have enough money? He said, well, could you continue the, the, the lifestyle that you enjoy now? Could you continue that if you didn't make another dollar? He said, yeah, I could. I could. He said, I could continue that if, if with the investments that I've made and the money that I've made, I, I, could, I could continue that lifestyle. Then David asked him, well, then how about you draw a line in your bank account and everything you make from this point forward, that goes to the Lord. And you begin serving him. Well, that hit Johnny like a throat punch. And Johnny said, if I were to give it all away, then what would I live for? Johnny was sitting over here in this chair. The next question, that, that question kind of drove home when he answered it that those words just kind of were gravel in his mouth as he realized that what seat he was sitting in now i'm going to tell you the greatest catch that day was not all the fish that were laying on the the floor of that vessel the greatest catch that day was when god caught johnny's heart and moved him from a middle chair to the first chair from that point forward he started donating his time his treasure and his talents giving them unto the Lord and living for him 
with his entire life. John is still alive today, and he'll promise you that this, this position right here was far greater than all the riches in the world and all the power and the prestige and all the, the, the perks that come with him over here in this chair. Cannot find satisfaction in this chair. I just want to promise you this. You cannot find fulfillment in this chair. Can't, that people say you can't buy happiness. It will, it will put a, a down payment on a nice bass boat. I promise you, you can't buy happiness. You can't buy fulfillment. You can't buy satisfaction. And so here's Ernie over here trying to hold on to the things of God and the things of this world. And you know what? I remember uh, when my boys were growing up and they were little, we put, we called it a different name uh, back in our day, but in, in their day, they called it monkey in the middle. You ever played monkey in the middle? We called it keep away. And you have one person on one side and one person on the other side. You got one person in the middle and they're trying to throw the ball back and forth to each other. And that person in the middle is trying to jump and catch the ball. And I feel like the person in the middle chair just playing monkey in the middle. They want some of God. They want some of the world. They want some of the God. They want some of the world. And they never really truly find either one. And so as we start again where we started last week, turn with me to the book of Joshua and Joshua asked this question, and, and he's, he's at the end of his leadership there with Israel, and, uh, and he is going to leave them with a powerful statement and, and a big question that stirred their heart. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth, put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt, serve the Lord. Verse 15, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which are, with the God which are, which, uh, where I lost my place. Well, the God which your father served or on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But I love this. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Have you made what, what, have you made the choice of who you're going to serve? And so today we have the question, the original question of where you're sitting. And to help you flesh out where you're sitting, we can ask the question, who are you serving? Who are you serving? Ernie, though he has called upon the name of the Lord and has been saved, continues to serve Ernie. He continues to serve himself. He, he continues to think that, that maybe God can't be trusted with my fulfillment. God can't actually give me full satisfaction. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 and, and, and asking ourselves, who do you serve? Joshua said, choose you this day who you will serve. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus puts it this way, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Who are you serving? If you're serving the Lord, you won't ever want to slip back into this position because you know that serving self, self is a lousy master. Self is a lousy master. When we go back to Johnny, you remember the story of Johnny on the fishing boat? Johnny's God demanded his time, his energies, his sweat, his thoughts, and no matter how successful he became, no matter how much he seemed the master of his circumstances, his God never had enough. 
I want you to think about it. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon. Well, what is mammon? Mammon is materialism. He said either you will hold to one and deny the other. You will, you will cling to the one and reject the other. You can't serve God and materialism. Amen? I need you, we got to catch that. We, we, we say we believe it, but are we convinced of it? Do you feel it? He said, this God that he served, which was materialism, Johnny served that God, but that God never had enough. He even didn't know the answer to the question. How much is enough? How do I know when I've accomplished it? If I give it all away, what would I live for? Well, I'm going to tell you, the God that I serve, he is enough. Amen? He's enough. And Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. I need, to, I need to flesh this out for us. This word seek is an action word. I, I actually preached a sermon two weeks ago, and the title of the sermon was What You Doing? What You Doing? Y'all, y'all remember that? It was the one with a dog on there. Yancey said, don't put that dog back on there. I couldn't even think of your sermon. I'm looking at that dog. <laughs> What are you doing? And the, and the question of what are you doing really is the, the, the same question of who you're serving. Because Jesus said, seek first. This word seek is an action word. It is that you are going to be doing something. Everybody with me? It's not simply a concept. It's not simply a thought. It's not simply a belief. It is an action. Seek first the kingdom of God. This word seek, you're going to be doing something. First, that is, a, that is that word of priority. Priority. I just got through praying with someone between the services. He and I grew up as friends together. And he comes to me after the service and he says, I want to be in that first chair. He said, I want to be in that first chair. It's, it's such an honor of God to redeem old friendships. And I said, man, I want you in that chair. I said, there's some things that, that, that are practical that help uh, put God first. I, I give him the first of my resources. We call it the first fruits. You need to, to give of your treasure first. You need to give of your time first. I give him, I give the Lord the first of every morning. I give of him my time first. I, I, we need to give him our talents we need to allow him to hone, allow him to hone those talents for his use and for his purposes. There are some things that we can do to put him first. Amen. So seek, this is action. Seek him or seek first that is priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. What is it to seek the kingdom of God first? Well, I'm already saved. Does that, what does that mean? What, how does that flesh out? It is to live on this earth exactly, accomplishing the exact same things that God wants accomplished on this earth. That's the action that we are doing. That's the thing that we are doing. To accomplish the things in our lifetime that God wants accomplished on this earth. Here's how Jesus said it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set the captives free, to restore sight to the blind. He, he said, there are some things that come with the anointing. There are some things that I am to do. And there are some things that we are to do if we're going to seek first the kingdom of God. Amen? Now, I want, y'all to, I want to help you help me, all right? Now, help me help you. Here's all I need. I need you to respond when I preach. All right? When, I, when you respond when I preach, it helps me preach. And if you don't respond when I preach, 
and I'm just going to drone on and drag on, and we're all going to get bored and just take a nap together. So I need to know that you're actively involved in listening to what I'm saying because I want you to actively. Here's the thing. Here's what's going on in our second service. I need. You, I'm just going to take a break right now. Time out. Second service. If you are sitting in this service and you feel a little bit awkward because you're new here, here's what I've come to understand about the second service. About 75% of the people in this room are new here. And so what's going on in this room right now at this very moment is you're not sure at what the acceptable culture of this church is right now. Here's the acceptable, not only the acceptable, the desired culture of this church. I want you to get loud and talk to me. All right. All right. So you help me as I preach the word. The first service, I'll have a problem. So I need y'all to respond to me as I preach. And guess what? You'll get more out of it as we do. Seek first the kingdom of God. I need to have a part of my life exactly what God wants accomplished in the city of Athens. I need to be doing the things in this city that God wants done in this city. That's putting his kingdom first. I need to be doing in my household what he wants done in my household. That is seeking first his kingdom. And then it says, and his righteousness. The first thing I need to do is to be about my father's business. And what follows that is my righteousness. It, it follows. It, it, it's a part of that seeking first. When I make his kingdom my priority, then my life is absolutely transformed. Here's, here's how this looks. Uh, this word righteousness, we, we it, it kind of has a twofold uh, view. First and foremost, it's where are you sitting? Bible says that we are seated with him in the heavenly places. In Christ Jesus, I am the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5.21. I am the righteousness of God. I'm not working for it. I already am in position as the righteousness of God. As I live out my life, what I am by position I start to become, by practice, righteous. Isn't that interesting? That's what grace is all about. I'm not striving to become something. I am something, and my actions follow. I'm not trying to earn God's favor. I am favored by God, and now my life looks like that. It is completely, this is what grace looks like. And God has blessed us with his benefits, and therefore my life begins to reflect the goodness of God. Amen? Let's keep getting into the scriptures. In the book of Ephesians, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and he says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. As much as I try and convince my wife otherwise, otherwise, I am not already perfected. I tell her a lot of times, baby, you are a lucky woman. I tell you, <laughs> uh, I hadn't convinced her yet. But anyway, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Amen. He said, I know that he grabbed a hold of my life for a reason. And I haven't fully completed that yet, but I am pressing towards that and I continue to live towards that. My favorite verse in all the Bible, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance that you should walk in them. You aren't saved to sit. You're saved to serve. 
This is what, we, what we're saying in that for me to seek first his kingdom, there is an action that I am to be a part of and that is accomplishing on earth what he desires in heaven. I, I am to be the agent by which heaven comes to earth. I'm a child of God. And I'm going to be doing the activity of God. Amen. Here's another, pass, here's another statement that I just love. I, it affected my life years ago when I heard it. It's the greatest news in the world today that God's desire to be glorified and man's desire to be satisfied are not at odds. I need you to think about that. Just marinate on that for a second. God's desire to be glorified and man's desire to be satisfied are not at odds. But God is most glorified in man when man is most satisfied in him. What does that mean? When I... when. When you look at a person's life who is completely set on fire for God and they just love the Lord and they just want to glorify Him with every word out of their mouth, what you're looking at also brings a, a, a passion in you to do the same. This is, I said this last week. I'm not sure if I said it in this service. But when people ask about what is going on at Sand Springs, how is this thing just just uh, continuing to grow and things happening. I said, well, I've been preaching for 19 years here, so it's not like uh, there was a change in preachers, but there actually was a change in this preacher, by the way. But God brought some who were just so passionate about the Lord that their fire that was in them just began spreading. Just began spreading. And, and, And so... That's exactly what we're talking about. And so as we, as we continue to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that, that transformation that happens in our life. Here we go back again, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I've already attained it or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which, for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Catch this. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that word, a prize? I like prizes. <laughs> I like prizes. I was, I was at a, uh, an outdoor expo here uh, the other day. I, 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 don't ever, I'm, I don't believe in luck. And so I, I tell people, I'm the most unlucky guy, but I don't believe in luck. Uh, I never win drawings. I, it's just, I don't know. It's just some weird thing. Maybe I need to pray about that, but I don't win drawings. So you, you go to these outdoor events, and they're to, to raise money, and you, you put in money for a drawing, and, and, and I don't ever do it anymore. I just, if, if we're going to do it, I'll have my wife fill it out, but I don't ever win it. Uh, and so one time, several years ago, I went to an outdoor expo, and I put my little little tickets in the drawing, and and, and finally, they called my name. I'm like, oh my goodness, they're giving away shotguns and winches for four-wheelers, and they're giving away some awesome stuff. I'm like, I can't believe I won a prize. I walked to the front. I mean, it was kind of like, th- it was more people than this. And, and I'm walking to the front like, what did I just win? And they handed me a koozie. <laughs> a koozie. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe it. This, this girl that hands it to me, she's like, I'm almost embarrassed to give that to you. And I said, I'd be embarrassed too. I just threw my koozie back. <laughs> but here's what Paul says. No, the true prize, the true prize 
is laying hold of that which God has laid hold of me. What does it mean? He has, he saved you for a purpose. He saved you for a purpose. And when you, when you get your teeth sunk into that purpose, you are, you have moved from this chair to this chair. That's breakthrough. We're battling for a breakthrough. We, we, have to, we have to change this mind to break through into that first chair Christianity. I want to now look at, in, uh, in, in Mark chapter 8, verse 35. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. What, what is Jesus saying? That you got to die to get fulfillment? Well, not physically. Not physically, but you do have to surrender your will. And when you do, you find out what living is all about. Amen? Amen. That, that's the breakthrough. That's the breakthrough. The, the surrendering of my will. Now, in this chair, this person is only living by their own faculties. That's all they know. They don't even know the Lord. And so there's no other option but to live here. But when you call upon Jesus Christ and make him savior of your life, there's a transformation that takes place. And by the way, this does not have to be a progression. You don't have to go from here to here. You can skip that chair altogether. Amen. Just go from a non-believer to a sold out all in. I'm all in Jesus. Believe. Jesus says when you surrender your life, you lose it. For my sake, you'll actually find it. You'll actually find it. I want to now look at another passage in John. John chapter, 16, uh, John chapter 14. So the first question, where are you sitting? Second question, who are you serving? Third question, because here's the reason why the question. Many want to break through from second chair living to first chair living. But there's an old term that we don't use in churches hardly anymore. But this old term, is, is it's, it needs to be brought back because it really is, is a powerful word or term. Besetting sin. A besetting sin. It is that sin in your life that keeps you from progressing. It is that thing that you continue to do that you just can't seem to resolve this thing. You can't seem to get past this thing. It's a besetting sin. And so the, the, it, it can be the thing that you keep butting up against as you continue to try and live for the Lord, but you got this thing that keeps dragging you back. And so the question then is, why are you sinning? I want you to begin even right now as we try and develop a, a understanding of the pattern behind my besetting sin that one thing what is the pattern behind my besetting sin and so here's some questions we're going to ask and I'm going to ask them real quick and you start just kind of adding this up in your mind what day of the week do you sin the most what time of the day do you sin the most what people are you with during that time in which you sin the most I mean, you can just kind of start, what is the sin that you that is holding you back? And then here's the, the one that is the real, it helps, you, it helps you discover this. What emotion are you feeling right before you commit to that temptation? And that you yield to that temptation. What emotion are you feeling right before you commit that sin? 
When you discover that, then you will find out that there is a promise that Satan is whispering into your mind. That promise is this will, this will help you with that. See, oftentimes that feeling that we feel is a negative emotion. Uh, Maybe it's rejection. Maybe it's, who knows? You can just run down the list of all these negative feelings. And this, this promise that goes with this sin says, this will stop the hurt. You with me? Going to act like you don't know what I'm talking about, huh? The promise of the sin is this will stop the hurt. This will fix that feeling. This will, this will fix that feeling. Maybe it's, here, here, there's two motives. There's two motives of why we have this besetting sin. Number one motive is it'll stop the pain. And number two motive, it'll give you great pleasure. I want to ask you, is there anything wrong with either one of those motives? It, it, is, is there anything wrong with stopping the pain? There's not. Is there anything wrong with pleasure? In spite of what some believe, no, there's not. God, get, God designed pleasure. It's not the motive at all. It's the method. It's the method. Satan wants to whisper these lies. And by the way, he doesn't have to whisper it very long. Our flesh will whisper it for us. Our flesh will, and becomes a a habitual thing because now all of a sudden it doesn't even have to have that emotion attached to it. It's just natural. It's just when, when shifted in neutral, this mind just starts going that way. I've been doing this enough. Now that's just kind of, it's habit now. It's habit now. But we need to track it back and say, what emotion am I trying to, to medicate or remedy through my besetting sin? Everybody with me? All right. And now that we've discovered your pattern, and maybe you haven't yet, but just take this home with you. This is the thing that's keeping you from breaking through. Here's what Jesus says in Mark and John chapter 14, verse 16. This is a promise from Jesus. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. If you didn't feel that pain, would you feel the need to go back into that sin? If you had a greater pleasure would you feel the need to go back into that sin, that thing that's keeping you held back? If, if, if that pain were removed and if there was a greater pleasure, do you really think that you would continue sabotaging your own life in that sin? God says, I am sending you a helper. Jesus promised us. He said, I'm praying for you and I'm going to send you the helper. It's capitalized. His name is the Holy Spirit. Can I encourage you that when that emotion, or maybe it has now become habitual, but when, when that moment comes and now you are up to that, that besetting sin and you've got a decision to make, will I or will I not? Can I encourage you to just stop and pray? Jesus, you promised me that you would send a helper. It's, it's, the word helper is, is just one of the many words that can come out of that Greek term. And it's actually the term paracletos, one that, that comes alongside us. Some translate it as comforter. If, if I am in distress or I have these negative feelings and that's why I've bought the lie and I have, I have treated this, this negative feeling with this habitual sin, then, then I need to at that point say, am I listening to the wrong voice? 
It promises pleasure. It promises that the pain will go away. But what I realize it does, it's like drinking salt water. It only makes me more thirsty. And if I continue to drink more and more of it, it will kill me. And so we, we, we need to ask ourselves that question and then just finally say, Lord, Lord Jesus, you promised me that you'd send me the helper. I'm asking you to send me the helper, the comforter. I'm going to just encourage you to do that and just watch what God does. Just watch what God does. What is it that's battling your breakthrough? What is it that's blocking your breakthrough? Hand it over to the Lord and just see what he does. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to come alongside you and break through your barrier, your blockage, your bondage. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to get you past that. I want to now what wrap this up in Acts chapter 17. We're about to, we're about to land the plane. Amen. By the way, you do know when a preacher's lying when he says, in conclusion. <laughs> Acts chapter 17. Some of y'all got it, but others are still what? <laughs> Acts chapter 17, verse 26. Paul is preaching, by the way, he's preaching in a city named Athens. And he says in verse 26, and he has made from one blood, that he is capitalized. God himself has made from one blood, Adam, every nation of men. This should kill racism. God made a man, Adam, and all nations come through that man. Every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. Okay, let's go back through it again. God has made from one blood, Adam's, every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times. Another way you could read this is your pre-appointed time. In other words, God appointed the time in which you now live. He did that. You aren't an accident. You aren't, a, you, you aren't just, just here happens, by happenstance. God has appointed the time in which you are now right here. Says he is and has determined the pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. God puts you here at this time for a purpose. Verse 27. So that they would seek the Lord. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Who are you seeking? Where are you sitting? To determine where you are sitting, ask the question, what are you serving? Who are you seeking? And he says, he has put you here now for a reason that you would seek the Lord in the hope that you might grope for him. Sometimes there are words that just that word, man, it will stir a response. <laughs> grope. It, it, you're going to have a feeling when you hear that word grope. You're going you're gonna to feel something when, when he says grope. <laughs> that's, a, that's a powerful word. And here's what the Bible says. Paul is preaching. He said, God put you here and now that you might grope for him. That you, that you would, as you're feeling through the things of this world, like, ah, that doesn't do it. Ah, that doesn't do it. That doesn't do it. But now I got a hold of God. That you would grope for him and find him. Check this out. Though he is not far from each, he is not far from each one of us. 
You don't have to go to some faraway mountain and, and climb a staircase on your hands and knees to finally reach to some level in which you attain a relationship with God. You know all you got to do? Turn around. He's not far from you. In fact, he, he brought you here this morning. Put you here for a purpose. He's calling out to you. He says, he's not far from each one of us. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. Here's another way of saying it. In him you find purpose. You find fulfillment. You find meaning. You find satisfaction. It is not... Uh, it is not at odds. My desire to be satisfied and God's desire to be glorified are not at odds. But I am most satisfied in him when he is most glorified in me. And, and, I am, and he is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him. That's good. I, I'm, I'm telling you, that statement right there changed my life. Here's the, here's the truth of it all. God created you for a purpose. And he knows the key to fulfillment, satisfaction, and meaning. And it's only in him. This is the goodness of our God. That void that is within us, that Ernie has continued to try and fill with the things of this world, that void that is within us, it, it, it won't ever work. It won't, he can't fill that void. Uh, by the way, here's why I can't fill it. God won't let him. God won't let you be completely satisfied with the things of this world. He wants you to hunt out where true meaning and fulfillment is found. Because if you continue to latch a hold of the things of this world, whether it be a passionate pursuit of whatever hobby you got, only God actually brings fulfillment. Amen. Maybe you're here today and I'm asking you the question, where are you sitting and you're not liking the answer, but it's now really clear. I, I want to encourage you, change seats. This morning you can say, God, I'm changing seats. I was groping for the things of this world, holding you with one hand and trying to... Not satisfied, not fulfilled, not happy. I want to tell you, I've been in all three seats and I wouldn't trade this one for anything in this world. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you this morning. You're not happy with the seat you're sitting in. Change seats. But you got to do something. You got to do something. It is a matter of commitment. You won't do anything that you're not committed to do. It is a matter of commitment. We're going to ask you to stand right now. I want you to just get into a spirit of prayer right now. Just an attitude of prayer. With your your eyes closed, I want you to envision yourself and which seat you're sitting in. Are you happy with that? See, we we got people who are here this morning that, man, they want to pray with you and see you change seats. Here's the thing I said that that this is a this is an action word. There's something you need to do for your breakthrough. There's something you need to do for your breakthrough. And it may just be as simple as walking down this aisle and just getting honest with yourself. 
Remember who he said would be the one to bring the breakthrough? Spirit of God. You know what else he called him in the next verse? He said, the spirit of truth. See, it's, it's a lie that those things in this world will actually bring the fulfillment that you're looking for. It's a lie. But the spirit of truth is the comforter, the helper, the healer. So I, I want to ask you this morning, you ready to change seats? This would be a good time to do it, a good day to do it. We're about to, about to go into worship, a time of worship. And, and as we do that, I would ask you to seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the Lord. He's not far from you. Give him your entire heart. Maybe you just want to come down this aisle and get somebody to pray with you. Maybe it, it may be something totally different. Maybe you just need, maybe you, you need a, a miracle. Maybe you need a healing. Maybe you need something completely other than. <laughs> well, it, whatever it is, you move as God moves your heart. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would just give the boldness, the holy boldness to step out trusting you. For you are the one who brings life change. And we thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You move as we sing.